0: culturally responsive education, Sarah Hayter on tokenism, and our collective failure to teach our children the ideas and lessons needed to be capable of governing themselves. Welcome to Fair News Weekly. To read all of the articles discussed in this podcast, please visit the podcast episode description. This week, the FAIR Ontario chapter has responded to Bill 67, known as the Racial Equity in the Education System Act, as many Ontarians turn to FAIR for help. The bill aims to ensure that anti-racism and racial equity are key aspects of Ontario's education system, from kindergarten through post-secondary education. Submitted as a private member's bill, the bill has now passed a second reading and is awaiting Social Policy Review Committee hearings. Despite the fact that Bill 67 was introduced months ago, there has been little press coverage until this week. Many Ontarians have been surprised that these substantial changes could be made to Ontario's education system without much warning or public discussion or consideration. While its proponents suggest this bill is anti-racist, our concern is that it will in reality further racism. The bill defines racism as the use of socially-constructed ideas of race to justify or support, whether consciously or subconsciously, the notion that one's race is superior to another. The bill's proposed summary convictions for racist speech, as well as its requirements for teachers and council members to have a proven commitment to racial equity or take anti-racism training, runs the risk of inviting and affirming divisive ideological frameworks. Read FAIR Ontario's full comments on Bill 67 in the link in the description. Are you ready to be an effective advocate for pro-human values in your community? You know in your heart of hearts, our common culture of fairness, understanding, and humanity requires you to be civically engaged and actively organizing and advocating in your community. But how do you get started? We've got you covered with FAIR Grassroots Leader Training Series. Register to learn practical tools for organizing your community and how to be a more effective advocate and ways to create positive, bottom up change in our culture and country. Register now with the link in the description. Do you value the civil rights and liberties of all individuals, regardless of their skin color, ancestry, or other group identity? Are you interested in supporting and learning more about FAIR's nonpartisan and pro human mission and how FAIR promotes fairness? understanding, and our common humanity? Then join us this summer as a FAIR intern. We are seeking highly motivated and open-minded undergraduate students and recent graduates for paid full-time summer internships. Ideal candidates will value curiosity, compassion, and courage, coupled with communication and leadership skills and a passion for FAIR's pro-human values and vision. This internship will provide you with real-world experience in a nonpartisan, dynamic, and mission-driven organization while also empowering you to develop resources and become ambassadors for FAIR's mission in your own communities. More info on the application process in the description below. We want our FAIR Substack to be the go-to publication for people interested in sharing and reading diverse perspectives on culture and civil rights. Whether you're a seasoned author or an amateur writer with a story to tell that contributes to our mission of promoting fairness, understanding, and humanity, we would love to receive your stories, opinions, investigations, reviews, interviews, and more. Please submit your piece to submissions at fairforall.org. This week, fair paralegal and fair in the arts coordinator Reed Newton discussed how a new intolerant orthodoxy has suddenly swept across broad swaths of our society and culture. She says, It feels as if our culture pivoted overnight. Whether you're a woman, LGBT, or a racial minority, you are now expected to hold a specific set of views based solely on your group identity. If you're a woman with the wrong views, you'll be called a gender traitor. LGBT and the wrong views? You're a turf. Black and the wrong views. You're an Uncle Tom. To stray outside of the through line of acceptable jargon is heresy, even sacrilege. One misstep, and exile is on the table. Although Newton has lost friends and received abuse for disagreeing with certain ideological tenets, such as the insistence that we should all center our identities around our immutable traits, she maintains that the fear of these things is a lot worse than the actual things themselves, and calls upon everyone to be brave and stand up for what they believe in. Every Tuesday, the first four Tuesdays of the month, from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern, Fair Advisor Xander Keg will be hosting a series of free wellness webinars for Fair members. Registration in the description below. This week, we republished an article by Fair President Brian Bartning that was originally published one year ago this week in The Wall Street Journal. The article describes his and his wife's experience with Riverdale Country School, the New York private school at which they had enrolled their two young children. In the weeks immediately following the George Floyd protests, the school announced that their theme for the year would be allyship. Students ages 5 through 11 were subsequently instructed to check each other's words and actions, and parents were encouraged to join affinity groups to bond with other parents of the same skin color and ethnicity. Parents and educators were also told to reject the ethical principle of colorblindness when interacting with individuals, and instead were advised to acknowledge racial differences. According to Bartning, this new cynical ideology and worldview is being spread like a virus by an army of paid consultants and true believers, by masquerading as anti-racism. After nearly 70 years after Brown v. Board of Education, he believes there is an urgent need to reaffirm and advance the core principles of the civil rights movement. In the article in the description, Dana Stengel-Plough, the director of educational programs and networks at FAIR, discussed the issues surrounding a new academic theory called culturally responsive education. While intended to connect students with their educational material on a deep level, Stengel-Plough explains how this new method achieves the opposite by assuming people who superficially look like one another must also think like one another. She says, The idea of providing kids' books that feature characters who look like them feels intuitive as a way to connect them to the material. But building curriculum around students' skin color, ancestry, or gender raises serious questions about the very purpose of education in our diverse and pluralistic nation. By making assumptions about what will engage students based on race or immutable characteristics, CRE, culturally responsive education, is racist. The idea that all people who share the same group identity would also share the same interests, experiences, or beliefs is reductive and demeaning to the unique human beings in that group. In our FAIR substack, Columnist and broadcaster Carrie Sheffield wrote about the adversity in her upbringing, such as her family's experience with homelessness, their reliance on food stamps, constant school switching, and the violence and abuse she frequently endured. Despite the difficult start, however, she was able to triumph over these early setbacks and achieve success. Sheffield says that her success is becoming more the exception than the rule because of a growing culture that fetishizes victimization rather than triumph over adversity. She also rejects overly simplistic theories, such as white privilege, or systemic racism as the sole cause of group disparities. In the article, she states, "The research of Seoul, Williams, Riley, and other conservative social scientists illuminates pervasive systemic dysfunction rather than systemic racism. This dysfunction cuts across people of all backgrounds. Poverty hits people regardless of their skin color, but it is more pronounced within black America because that's where the effects of bad policies have been most concentrated. In her substack, Hold That Thought, co-founder of Ex-Muslims of North America, Sarah Hayter, wrote about tokenism and her own experience being tokenized. According to Hayter, Tokenism not only harms organizations by prioritizing superficial traits over competence, but it also creates the circumstances in which community leaders are selected and promoted based on the ideals of people currently in power, instead of allowing leaders to rise organically by garnering their respect through their work in the communities they serve. Hayter wrote about tokenism in the early days of cancel culture, within the atheist community, a community in which Hayter was very active, regarding accusations of insufficient diversity. She says, If the event's lineup was insufficiently diverse, no amount of explaining by organizers would help. We would face the reputation-destroying slander of the self-appointed community police. And so, an inordinate amount of time was spent trying to court the minuscule number of visible minorities— who were also famous and also atheists, for our event, and shockingly little in engaging the real stars of our movement, who could reliably bring out large crowds. For The New York Times, University of Virginia senior Emma Camp wrote about her excitement to attend university, an environment she believed would champion intellectual diversity and rigorous disagreement. But to her surprise and dismay, What she found was an environment defined by strict ideological conformity. According to Camp, students of all political persuasions hold back, in class discussions, in friendly conversations, on social media, from saying what we really think. She says that in the classroom, Backlash for unpopular opinions is so commonplace that many students have stopped voicing them, sometimes fearing lower grades if they don't censor themselves. Camp believes that we need more classrooms full of energetic debate, not fewer. But when criticism transforms into a public shaming, it stifles learning. Though having one's ideas challenged is vital for intellectual development, publicly shaming students into silence is not conducive to such growth. For The Atlantic, George Packer wrote a piece about our collective failure to teach our children the ideas and lessons needed to be capable of governing themselves. Adults have become too ideological and controlling, and, according to Packer, we've turned schools into battlefields, and our kids are the casualties. Packer says, The pandemic should have forced us to reassess what really matters in public school. Instead, it's a crisis that we've just about wasted. The classroom has become a half-abandoned battlefield where grown-ups who claim to be protecting students from the virus, from books, from ideologies, and counter-ideologies, end up using children to protect themselves and their own entrenched camps. Packer is worried that we are creating another generation of adults who don't know how to talk, and listen, and think. And that is something American democracy simply cannot afford. For The Guardian, education correspondent Sally Wheel wrote about the recent decision by Ofsted, a UK organization responsible for inspecting educational institutions to downgrade the American School in London, ASL, one of London's leading day schools, for curricula that was focusing more on social justice than subject knowledge and was creating a culture where alternative opinions are not felt welcome. The school had been previously rated as outstanding, but slipped two grades to require improvement, just above inadequate, after inspection in December. The school was inspected after multiple news outlets reported on parents voicing their concerns about the school's woke agenda and complained children were being indoctrinated in critical race theory. The spokesperson for the school said that the review was unusual in scope and substance, with a narrow focus on some aspects of our program, and that they do not think this rating reflects the quality of our school or excellence of our teaching. Finally, if you liked this podcast, subscribe, share it with a friend, and leave us a rating and review. Make sure to check out our newsletter and weekly roundup to read more into any of this week's stories or visit the episode description. Donations are always welcome at fairforall.org.